the Rock Church, it is great to be with you guys today. We are continuing our series called In Your Corner. And uh, with that series, uh, last week we talked about how we need to fight the good fight of faith because we are in a fight. And this isn't a physical fight, uh, but it is a spiritual fight. And when we're in a spiritual fight, we need specific people in our corner. And uh, I'm excited about this series. I've loved it. The concept has been one that I've been really fired up about since we uh, talked about it and we created it. And I was so excited about it that I decided to pull out my old boxing hand wraps uh, from back in the day. And I'll be honest, this is the last service I'm preaching uh, of this, uh, this weekend. And uh, I have regretted putting these on. Um, regret number one, They've been on for about four hours now. Sweating and smelly, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I will be washing my hands after this. Uh, regret number two, where I thought it would make me look like a cool boxer, I really look more like a break dancer today. <laughs> I don't know if it's the swishy pants or the, the fingerless gloves, but I look like a boxer, and my wife, Katie, last service, she said I look like I belong in the Wet Bandits from Home Alone. And <laughs> so really, I didn't accomplish anything by looking cooler, and I just got sweaty hands, I look like a fool. And that's okay, because you know we're here to have some fun too, right? And uh, I'm also ready because you know some churches start like a church softball league, some start like a church basketball league or a kickball league, but here at The Rock, we're just basically just going to start a fight club, right? Like, like, who's in? Some people raise their hand really fast there. Wow, they were really ready to duke it out, right? Um, we're not going to do that because we're not going to talk about it because we don't talk about fight club, right? So we are in your corner. We're excited about this. It's going to be a great series. And it's really got me doing all sorts of research into fighting. And I went down a YouTube rabbit hole this past week, and I just started watching all sorts of fighters. And... I watched guys like Muhammad Ali and John Bones Jones and uh, Roy Jones Jr. and Rocky Marciano and Khabib and McGregor and Ronda Rousey. I just watched all these fighters and it was so much fun to watch. But the fighter that caught my interest the most, the one that I couldn't get off of, like just because I was so fascinated by all of his fights, was a guy named Iron Mike Tyson. And uh, if you know anything about fighting, you know anything about boxing, you know that that man is an absolute monster of a fighter. We'll throw a picture on screen here in a moment. Uh, and, and if you just like, can you just imagine jumping in the ring with that guy, right? Like there was this thing a, a couple of years ago where it was like, how much money would it take for you to take an uppercut from Mike Tyson? And I was like, it would take a couple million dollars for me because like if he gave me an uppercut, my head would turn into a rock'em sock'em robot, right? Like just clean off my dome, right? So this guy was a monster, but his story, really interesting. He was born in 1966 in Brooklyn, and at the age of two, his father passed away. Then at the age of 16, his mother passed away. And by the age of 13, Tyson had been arrested 38 times. A lot of it was because, if you know anything about Tyson, he's uh, got a high-pitched voice, he has a lisp, so he would just getting a bunch of fights with kids about that. And he just got arrested and arrested and arrested. And at some point, they're like, what are we gonna do with this kid? He's 13 years old, he's been arrested 38 times. What are we gonna do? So they sent him to this all boys school out in the Catskills of New York. 
And at this all boys school, he got introduced to boxing. And this boxing instructor that was there saw that he had some potential and worked with him and got him connected with some other people, which led to one of the greatest boxing careers of all time. By the time Tyson was done fighting, he finished with a record of 50 wins, uh, six defeats, and two no contests. He had 44 knockouts in his career. 21 of them were in the first round. And then on top of that, he won six world championships. I mean, this guy was an unbelievable fighter. It was amazing. So how did he get from the kid that was getting arrested to the adult champion? This guy who was just one of the baddest men on the planet, Kid Dynamite, Iron Mike, whatever nickname you want to give him, how did he get there? The reason he got there was because he was introduced to someone that was then in his corner. And it was a trainer named Cuz Diamato. He's a famous trainer, famous boxer. He started working with Tyson. And as he began to work with Tyson, he became his full-time trainer and then became his full-time manager. But more importantly than all of that, he became a father figure for Tyson to the point where Tyson was living in Cuz's house. And then once uh, Tyson's mother passed away at the age of 16, Cuz became the legal guardian of Tyson. It was an incredible relationship. That's how he got from this untrained, scrapping kid to this champion fighter. He had a trainer in his corner. And a lot of us, we are in a fight as well. We've talked about it. We're in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual fight. And there's some of us going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what next step to take. I don't know how to deal with what I'm dealing with in life. I can't get rid of this sin addiction. I can't get rid of this habit. I can't stop uh, arguing with people. I, I, I can't get over this. My identity, it's all over the place. And we're going, what do I do? And that's where I say we got to get a trainer in our life because a trainer will show you the way. And when a trainer shows you the way, fighters follow the way. And this is not a new concept. This is one that we can pull from Scripture. And the book of Acts is where we'll be hanging out today. And what's happening in the beginning of Acts is Jesus has left earth and gone back up to heaven and said, Hey, disciples, apostles, you guys got it. You're starting this thing called the church, and I believe in you. Here's the Holy Spirit. You got this. And as they take that mantle of leadership, as they take that responsibility, the church begins to explode. Thousands upon thousands of people are beginning to know who Christ is. Culture is being disrupted. Religious leaders, political leaders are all noticing that this thing called Christianity, which wasn't even called Christianity at the time, it was called the way. All this was happening. And they're going, man, what is going on? And they were not liking it. And in chapter 3, Peter and John, these two guys that followed Jesus around, they healed this older gentleman. And these religious political leaders did not like it, so they threw them in jail. And as they threw them in jail, they were going, what do we do with these guys? So they let them stay in jail overnight. And the following day, they bring them in front of this council of people, this group of people to talk about what was happening and figure out their punishment for what they were doing to the culture that was around them. And that's where we pick up. It's a really fascinating story. In Acts chapter 4, we'll start in verse 13. This is what it says. It says, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. 
I think that scripture is fascinating because they were uneducated and untrained men. And the reality is that is all of us. I don't know about you, but I'm someone who likes to feel like I have all the answers. Like I'm quick to Google something, I'm quick to chat GPT something. Like I just wanna figure out what the answer is so I feel good about myself and I feel like I have all the answers. So whatever situation comes my way, whatever thing I'm reading about or studying, I feel like I've got it in me. But the problem is with that is I need to humble myself. That idea of not knowing everything and being untrained and uneducated, that's an ego check for me. Because I know if I don't take a step back and say, okay, Clay, you don't actually know everything, then I will never progress like I need to. This progression or the, the church word for it is sanctification is massively important because if we don't have the willingness to say, yeah, I am untrained, yeah, I don't have all the answers, when it comes for us to make a decision, when we're going to say, all right, I'm going to change something about me, or I'm going to go share the gospel, or I'm going read, to start reading the Bible, or I'm going to start serving this way, if we don't have the humility to say, I don't know everything, we'll make the decision to do something, then we'll go, now what? We have to be willing to say, I don't know everything and I want to learn. I want to grow. I need to know the answer because the reality is we don't know what we don't know. Let's take sharing the gospel or repenting of sins or reading the Bible. Those are three very, very basic cornerstones of Christianity, right? Those are basically like, like the jab, the hook, the uppercut of our faith, right? And you might be in here, but I know how to do those things. I've got that down. Others of you might say, I don't know how to do that. Well, the difference between the person that knows how to do that and the person who doesn't know how to do that is that the, the person who doesn't know how to do it hasn't had someone show them how to do it. Those of you that know how to do it, you had a pastor, you had a preacher, you had a teacher, you had a family member, you had a friend that taught you those different things. That's why it's so important to have that trainer show you the way because it simply gives you the understanding of how to do something. And that's why I think about Peter and John, and I think about their experience, because who the heck are those guys to be making a massive difference in the community? What are they doing leading? Because if you don't know the story of Peter and John, they are fishermen, they're, uh, they're probably very poor, they're culturally, like, they're pretty irrelevant, like, these are nobodies, yet they are completely changing the status quo of the area that they are in. They went from untrained followers of Christ to trained leaders of the church. You go, man, what made them so effective? What made them so able to do that? How did they take that leap in leadership? And I believe it's because they had a trainer that showed them the way. And that's a, a powerful thing. I, I can talk about that with my own life uh, I remember just a, a very simple example is when I was in third grade, uh, I started playing football. And if you don't know my story, I, I have loved football. I, I care about it. It's like my, my thing. Like it's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, and, and I had the ability to play in high school and a little bit in college before I went to ministry. And it's just an amazing experience. But my first time playing football, I was terrible at it. It was awful. I was growing up in Webb City, Missouri, which is a really tiny little town. And uh, if I would have went to high school there, I would have won four state straight, four straight state championships. Like it was a juggernaut 
of a program. They're so good at football there. And what they did is they created a little youth football league where the, the school sponsored them. You play different schools from around the area. And I remember joining the third grade football team. And I grabbed my pads, I grabbed my helmet, I got all the things and, and my jersey, and I put it all on, and I'm excited, I'm ready for that first practice, I get to hit somebody, and I played that first day and I was bad. And I played that second day and I was bad. And I played that third day and I was bad, and I was just ready to quit. I remember talking to my mom and my dad in the Walmart shopping aisle saying, like, I don't want to play football anymore because I thought I'd be good at it and I'm not. And these are big drastic decisions for a third grader, right? And my dad, if you don't know, he was a high school football coach for 20 plus years. He said, hey, how about we go to our yard? Once we get home, I can put you through some drills and stuff. Maybe it'll help you out. You'll enjoy it a little bit more. So, okay, dad, sounds good. We get home. He has me put on all my gear, pads and everything, my helmet. And he lines up across from me a couple yards away and says, hey, I want you to fire out. And I want you to hit me. And here's what I want you to do. He explains it to me and said, okay. So I fire out and I hit him. And I hit him so soft. <laughs> so soft. Right? You think, like, opportunity of a lifetime, right? Hit him so soft. He's like, okay, no, 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 like, do it this way instead. Like, he gives me some coaching points. I like, okay, do it again. And I hit him so soft again. And I did it a third time, and it was so soft again. And you could tell, like, he's at the point where, he's, like, a parent's trying to explain something to their kid. And, like, your kid's not getting you. are just like, just understand what I'm telling you, right? He's like, nope, fine, fine, fine. I'll just, I'll, sh I'll show you what to do, all right? I'll be back in a second. So I see him kind of to run off, right? And he goes to the garage and he comes back out wearing a football helmet. Um, but it's not like an actual football helmet. It's like one of the kids' costume football helmets, a little plastic one, right? He's like, here's the deal. I'm gonna let you hit me literally as hard as you possibly can. Don't worry about the drill. Don't worry about anything. Just hit me as hard as you can. He's like, oh, yeah. This is going to be great. But then he said the next sentence. He said, the deal is, I get to hit you too. <laughs> Worth it, right? Like, this is my shot at glory. Right? I'm going to hit my dad as hard as I can, right? I'm a little third grade. I'm going to inflict some damage, right? <laughs> and I line up across from him. We're probably about five, ten yards away. We do like the simulated snap, and I run to him. And I just, I'm ready. I see the glory, I see all the, the wonder, I feel all, like, I'm just like, this is going to be the moment of my lifetime, and I looked into his eyes as he was running towards me with that little tiny football helmet on, and it was like a bull that's all red coming at me, and I was like, I got right before him, and I was like, this is my time to shine, and I stared at him, I was ready to hit him, and I hit him, and my eyes just started going like this, as I heard the crack, and I just saw the sky... Then my head hit the ground and I saw black. <laughs> Eyes opened back up and I saw spinnies. And I knew he hit me hard because you know when like you hit your sibling and you realize, uh-oh, I hit him too hard? And your sibling's like, don't tell mom, don't tell mom, don't tell mom. <laughs> it's really bad when your dad does that, right? <laughs> but I had a grin on my face the entire time. Because I finally felt what it felt like to get hit or to be a part of a hit, to be a part of a collision. The, the pad cracking. It was amazing. I mean, I was crying a little bit, but like I was, I was smiling at the same time, right? Like it was a great moment. And the next day, I lined up against a little kid and I, I hit him so hard. 
I mean, I was a third grader, so I probably didn't hit him that hard. Probably looked like an aggressive hug. But in my head, that teammate, he got it. And it was because I had someone show me how it's done. And from that time, for my life, the rest was history. Like, it was a major turning point for me in my football career. And that's what's happening with Peter and John. These were uneducated, untrained men, but they had Jesus who showed them the way. Let's look at what I mean by that and the continuation of these verses. It says this uh, in the second part of 413. Uh, it says, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. What they're saying here is, there is no doubt in our mind that they were affected because they had been with Jesus. So how do we stop them? Is what it says. But so, oh, go back, I'm sorry. Uh, it says, but so that this does not spread any further among the people... Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. And then it says, so they call for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's opposition. They were effective because they had been with Jesus. They saw Jesus lead people. They saw Jesus love people. They saw Jesus communicate truth and grace and face opposition and face hardship and face enemies. And they knew how to live and how to fight because of the way they saw Jesus live and fight. See, Jesus wasn't just showing them who he was by being here on this earth. He was also showing us how to live. That's what we got to do. We got to have trainers in our life that show us how to live that show us this experience, that show us how to fight when we are in a difficult situation. But the problem is when we begin to follow that way, when we begin to live that way, it's going to get difficult. It's gonna be a battle. It's going to be a fight. So what are you going to do when you are shown the way? Are you going to sit back or are you going to step up and fight by following the way. Because a danger that many of us get into is that we have a habit of taking in a lot of information. We, uh, we listen to podcasts, we read books, we watch what other people are doing online. We're like, man, like, I'll just take in this information and one day I'm gonna apply it. But we never actually get to putting it into practice. And I think part of the reason that we struggle so bad with applying the things that we are learning is we are afraid of the embarrassment that will occur with it. Maybe you don't want to read your Bible because you're embarrassed that you might not know everything in the Bible. Guess what? I don't know everything in the Bible. Maybe you're embarrassed because you're like, man, if I try to tell someone about Jesus for the first time, it might go really bad. So I'm just going to be embarrassed. I'm just not going to do it. Well... If the only way you're going to get better at that is by doing it over and over and over again. Maybe you uh, are embarrassed because you don't know how to repent of your sins. So you're like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to act like that problem doesn't exist. No, you got, you got to know, like, hey, this is what I need to do. It's going to take time and practice and effort, but you got it. You know, 
I think people let embarrassment lead to excuses. And those excuses are just things that get in the way of us really becoming the fighter that we can be. There's a great quote. I love this quote. It says, embarrassment is the cost of entry. If you aren't willing to look like a foolish beginner, you'll never become a graceful master. When it comes to this spiritual fight, we need to start building our skills and progressing and getting better and improving and learning all of these different things so that we can fight better. That doesn't mean the fight's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean everything's going to be happy. That doesn't mean all things are going to be this wonderland of following Jesus. No, it's going to be hard at times. It's going to be difficult at times. You're going to make a fool of yourself at times. But if you continually progress, if you continually follow the way that the trainer showed you, you will get better eventually. And that's massively important because this fight is going to be a bear at times. It's going to be a challenge. That sin temptation is going to hit. People are going to push against you because you're changing. Satan isn't going to like your improvement because he's saying, man, that person is not who they were. So I got to bring him back. If we are not willing to follow the way, then we will never get better at fighting and we will have a more difficult life because of it. And it'll lead us down a bad path. If you know anything about Mike Tyson's story, that's a great example of this because I skipped over some major parts of his story. After winning his first championship, Tyson's life went off the rails. He parted way too hard. He went to jail for a terrible crime. He bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. Ultimately, like his reputation was tarnished. His previous accolades are looked at in a different light now. And you go, why would that happen? How did he go from this guy that was at the top of the world that has completely turned his life around to it falling apart? And the reason that I believe that occurred, because in 1985, one year before Tyson won his first championship, Cuz Diamato passed away. And all of a sudden, that trainer, that father figure, the person that he had in his life was no longer there. So I imagine... For the first little bit after him passing away, one that had to be incredibly tough for Tyson. But he said, okay, I'm gonna keep doing what he wanted me to do. And then he won his first championship. And after he won his first championship, I could see that there being some hardships and him going, hey, I'm gonna do things my own way now. I'm gonna do my own thing. I know I have trainers, but I'm gonna kinda of listen to them, but I'm not really gonna to listen to them. I'm just gonna skate by on my own talent, my own accolades, I'll be fine. And that's what happens to so many people is they follow the trainer, they follow the trainer, they follow the trainer, and then they get their first taste of success. And they're like, you know what? I did this all on my own. See you later. I'm good. I've got this. I'm the one with the talent. I'm the one with the skills. I'm the one that, that can make this happen. And what ends up happening is when you have that kind of attitude, at the first sign of trouble, you give up. You give in. You go down that bad path. 
And I think this situation with Peter and John is a fascinating one to talk about this with. Because they are without their trainer. Jesus is up in heaven. He is gone. Now they still have the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is no longer with them physically in that moment. And they've had great success. They've had awesome success. But in the face of success, they could probably get a little prideful. They could probably act like, man, I got this. Man, we are really making an impact here. So when they hit that point, when the religious leaders are like, hey, you can't do this anymore. You can't speak the name of Jesus. You can't act that way. You can't keep pushing this, this Christianity thing, this way that you're calling people to live. Can't do it. It'd be very easy for them at that moment to say, you know what? I followed the way for a while. I was successful. But I'm going to go do my own thing now. Because the opposition is strong. The enemy is strong. The fight is difficult. The fight is wearing me down. Man, is this worth it? But I think their response tells us everything that we need to know. Look what it says in verse 19 through 21. It says, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. You see, they said, it doesn't matter what enemy I'm fighting. I am going to continue to follow the way that God has called me, that God has shown me for the rest of my life because the end result, the victory of God getting the glory is worth it. And I can see them and I can picture them saying, I don't care how hard it gets, I'm going to follow the way. I don't care what the temptation is, I am going to follow the way. I don't care what society is pushing against me. I am going to follow the way. I don't care what they say I can or can't do. I am going to follow the way. I don't care how tired I am. I am going to follow the way. I don't care how hard I get punched. I am going to follow the way. I don't care if you throw me in jail for the rest of my life. I am going to follow the way. Because if I continue to follow the way, at the end of the day, I will be victorious because God will get the glory. And that's all that matters. And that's the mentality I want for every single one of us as we step into this fight. That no matter how difficult it is, we know that our trainer has shown us the way and we are going to be fighters that follow that way until the end of our lives. Because we know that at the end of the day, God gets the glory. And that's what we're chasing after. So how do we respond to that today? How do we attack that today? How do we put this into our life today? Well, there's a reason that I keep saying this term, follow the way. Because following the way doesn't just mean following the way that Jesus laid out. It means following him. John 14, 6 says, uh, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to experience victory in this world, if we want to experience victory for all of eternity, if we want to experience victory in the fights that we are facing, we have to follow him. We have to give it all over to him. We have to say, Jesus, you are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. You are my trainer in this life, and I want you in my corner. 
And we can do that because Jesus came down from heaven to earth, lived 33 perfect years on this earth, died on the cross, three days later, rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin, defeating Satan forever and ever and ever. I said it last week, but I'll say it again this week. It might not feel like you're winning the battle, but guess what? Jesus has already won the war. So all we got to say is, Jesus, I need you in my corner because I know if I have you in my corner and I am following the way, then I will be victorious in the end of days. So follow the way. But also, follow the way that we have been shown. And for some of you, you might have just taken that step. You're saying, hey, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus because I want to win this fight that I'm in because I feel it. I feel that I'm in the fight. But you're going, now what? What do I do in this situation? What do I do in this fight? And this goes back to the very beginning when I said sometimes we got to check our ego and say, hey, I don't have all the answers. And we need to get people in our lives that can show us the way in addition to Jesus. One of the best ways to do that is this book right here, the Bible. Get a Bible if you don't have one. Download an app. Download the Rock app. We have an amazing reading plan that you can be a part of. Because when you read the Bible, you will learn from so many great examples. Wayne Cordero, a pastor in Hawaii, he said, he said this. The more you continue to read scripture, the more you begin to think as he thinks and act as he acts. And that's how, over time, you gain the wisdom of the ages. So when you read scripture, you will begin to become more like Jesus because you will see Jesus in scripture and you will see people who follow Jesus in scripture. But also, in this book, there are people who have made a lot of bad mistakes. And you might feel like some of those people when you read those stories. And you might read their stories and you might go, man, I feel so similar to that. Well, learn from their response. Some of them made big mistakes and they turned their life around and began to follow God and follow Jesus. And others of them, they never took control of that, never took responsibility. There's massive failures from that. And I love what Wayne Cordero says about this. He says, if you can figure out how to learn from the bad as well as the good, you'll learn twice as much in life. That's why God put in the Bible raw, unedited accounts of men and women behaving both wisely and foolishly. So if you want a trainer in your corner, get Jesus. But like a, a fighter, you have to have multiple trainers. Get Jesus, get people from Scripture, and then get someone in your life. One of the best ways to do that here on The Rock is getting on a team, getting connected to others, because with our serving teams, we have a coach in every team that pours into the people that they lead with. They pour into them, they care about them, they show them how to live, they, they share with them scriptures that they read, they share with them uh, life moments, they pray for them, they call them, they check on them, and those are powerful people. And if you're a coach in here for one of those ministries, I thank you so much for what you're doing. And some of you guys, you need a coach like that in your life. So maybe today you stop by the connect wall, you say, hey, I'm ready to get a coach in my life, I'm ready to get a trainer, and you sign up for a serving team. Maybe today is a day that you're recognizing me and like, I just need someone in my corner today because I've just been through it. What I love about this campus, of all of our campuses, we have these connect corners where you can go and we have people that would love to pray for you, that will be in your corner at that moment with prayer. 
hopefully through prayer they can show you the way and you follow that way from there. We are in a serious spiritual fight. We have a trainer that is the ultimate trainer who will show us the way how to live. He has shown us through Jesus. But we today have to take responsibility. It's been laid out in front of us. And we as fighters have to make the decision to follow the way each and every single day so that we can experience victory. But I guess stand with me. We're going to go into a time of response. We're going to have communion up here at the front. If you would like to remind yourself of Jesus' fight for us and his death on the cross, come take it. Like I said, maybe you want to pray with somebody in the connect corner. We'd love to have that. If you were saying, man, I just need to follow the way for the very first time today. I need to follow Jesus. You can have that moment right there at your seat while we're singing these songs. If you want to come talk to somebody, we'd love to talk to you. Maybe today is a day that you choose to get baptized. Maybe you weren't planning on it, but we got clothes in the back. That baptism is a, is a symbolic nature of you going from death to life just like Jesus did. Maybe it's just a moment where you sing and you pray. Maybe you got your trainer, that person that's around you in your life next to you right now. And you ask them to pray over you and these steps that you are taking in life. Guys, we're here in a fight and I desperately want us to win it. And with Jesus, we can. He's shown us the way. So let's go and follow the way. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that we as fighters, recognize the fight that we are in and we follow the instruction that you've given us.